0: Hi, friends. It's Messini from The Noshery. And it's Rebecca from Foodie with Family. And welcome to another episode of My Plate is Always Full, where we're always hungry to talk about food. And today, we're going to be talking about something near and dear uh, to my stomach. (laughs) (laughs) Smoking and grilling Foods, uh, mainly, mainly, mainly. That's, that's how I say mainly, <laughs> but mainly meats. <laughs> well, foods in general, but specifically meat, because I love me some meat. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank
1: well, you! Walked right into that one. That didn't was I? <laughs> that was very gratifying. I was kind of hoping you'd say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Seriously, though, smoking and grilling meat is always a surefire. <clears throat> surefire. See what I did there? It's yes, it's a surefire hit at yeah. our house. And I'm pretty sure it's always a winner for you too, right?
0: 100%. And today we're going to cover some of my f- favorite ways to cook. Because, I mean, it's really kind of hard to pick a favorite. But today these are my favorites. Okay, <laughs> For now. Yeah, for right now. We're talking smoking and grilling from what kind of equipment is out there that you need to smoke and to grill, um, what is smoking versus grilling, and let's just say today is going to be a celebration of smoky, delicious goodness. Mm. So uh, let's fire this up. You ready? Ready. Ready.
1: First, you know me, yes. we're, we're going to have a little history here.
0: History lesson! History lesson! Yay! Yay! Woo! History! <laughs> Things that you don't hear
1: chanted often. <laughs> For 100, Alex. Yes, so as long, <laughs> as long as humans have had fire, they have smoked food. And this goes all the way back to caveman times, as we can see from archaeological digs and cave dwelling drawings and... All of these other things, smoking food has the distinction of being one of the oldest food preservation methods. And this is because smoke has a preservative effect on meats. It helps repel bugs. It helps dry out the meat so it will last longer. And also... It makes
0: things delicious. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, also <laughs> conveniently, it's delicious. So it's it's one of those win-win things. It makes your food last longer and it makes it taste better. So, not that I know what, you know, a woolly mammoth would have tasted like, but I imagine it would have been significantly improved by the presence of smoke. And I I would think so. The the theory goes, though, you know, when you're talking to smarter people than me, that fish was the first meat that was smoked. Yeah, you can make the argument fish is not meat. I understand that. Um, But... It was the first food to be preserved by smoke, probably because it's, you know, a small amount of food to be smoked, which means it's going to be preserved a little bit more easily. And when they realized they were having success with preserving fish with smoke, they moved into smoking other meats. Um, And moving onward from ancient history to not so ancient history, smokehouses until pretty recently, were a fairly common thing that was added to properties. And whether it was something that was privately owned, in the case of a wealthier family or a wealthier homestead, or community-owned, smokehouses were used by families to preserve meats in large quantities for the year. So in a community... So
0: did this... Yeah, Did this work like in a community setting, was it like someone either raised their uh, livestock or hunted something and then they would take it to a community smokehouse yes. to be smoked and preserved for their family?
1: Yeah, yeah. In fact, um, in much of Europe, especially, and then in colonial America as well, there, it was more common to have a community smokehouse than it was to not have one. So because Interesting. because it cost a lot of money to build a structure like this and to maintain it, it was something that was done by the entire community. And um, wealthier families would have their own. You know, if you had some grand estate, you most definitely had your own smokehouse on the property versus, you know, say, say here in my little town in yeah, Western New goal. York, everybody would share yeah. a smokehouse and take turns with it, but it would be something that, you wouldn't have to maintain by yourself. So that was that was pretty handy. Um, however, thankfully for introverts like myself and yourself, <laughs> technology has progressed to the point where we don't need technology to share. Technology is an
0: introvert's best friend. <laughs> it for sure, sure is
1: because I don't have to stand in line at a community smokehouse now. Technology has progressed to the point where you can have your own nifty portable smoker or a grill that can double as a smoker and you don't have to make conversation with someone else while squinting your eyes to keep the smoke out of it. It's,
0: <laughs> I love
1: modern You technology. don't have to have
0: that, that small, what is it? Is it small chat? Small small talk. It, small talk. <laughs> small chat. I don't even know. I am so averse to it. I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> fact. Absolute fact. Yes, thankfully to technology, it minimizes the need to participate.
1: (laughs) Sorry, folks. I love my community. I just don't want to chat all the time. That's all.
0: So the type of smoking or grilling that you want will um, determine the equipment that you'll need. Right. So we're going to break it down into the different types of smoking and grilling equipment that is uh, widely available. Yeah,
1: and I think... Just before we do that, let's get technical for just a second and explain the differences between hot smoking, cold smoking, grilling, and barbecuing.
0: So I haven't done a lot of cold smoking, but I've done a ton of hot smoking. Okay. And uh, to discuss what hot smoking is specifically, it's when your protein, be it, you know, a pork shoulder or a brisket, whatever it is, even fish, is exposed to um a temperature between 140 to 185 degrees fahrenheit and the smoke is in a controlled environment it's generally air dried um to help form what's called a i think it's called a oh my gosh i know it's like pelican pellicle um <laughs> pellicle thank you i was like oh i had a brain fart yeah it's, it's, like, like that, it's like that pelican. bird with the
1: beak no it's it's pellicle yes
0: I mean, I guess you could smoke a pelican, but that is not what we're talking about. I don't we're know. About... Are they
1: are they protected? <laughs> I have no idea.
0: I have no idea. But what we're talking about in this particular case is pellicle, and that <laughs> is the the coating that forms over protein that absorbs the smoke flavor and also protects the meat from getting um, dried out. Um, and losing moisture in the smoking process. Right. So, um, that's like, when you think about the pellicle, I almost said pelican again. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about like that bark that forms on the, on the meat, um, which helps protect it and absorbs all of that smoke. And you start to see that like pink ring in it. And everything. Yeah. And
1: oh, I'm delicious. hungry already.
0: Ugh. I know. So hot smoked foods can be, they can be eaten right away, but some food may be reheated or recooked in other ways. So for example, if you do a pulled pork shoulder, you know, first of all, you smoke it, you shred it, but then you can repurpose it or you can simmer it in um, a barbecue sauce or um, in it's good in stews. You can also reuse briskets in, in that way. One of my favorite things to do with pulled pork is that you can also – you can either simmer it in a barbecue sauce or you can cook it up in a skillet and get it really nice and crispy. Oh, so good. Oh, um. <laughs> <laughs> You pretty much can do that with any form of uh, smoked protein. Brisket, smoked turkey, smoked chicken. And one of the great things that I love about smoking Um, My husband and I, especially hot – let me specifically say hot smoking – is, you know, we have it's – we're a household of just two. Yeah. But we can do an entire brisket if you do it right or an entire pork shoulder and that low, slow cooking process – keeps that moisture in that even when you go and you portion it out into smaller portions to serve later, so you chill it or freeze it and then reheat it later, it still maintains that tender texture as opposed to, uh, which we'll talk about later, when you do something uh, quicker in regards to grilling, it doesn't reheat as well. So that's one of the great things about hot smoking.
1: I have discovered that we're going to have a real big problem with this episode because every time I go to talk, I realize I'm salivating massively because I'm thinking about smoked food and how delicious it is. So I feel like,
0: okay, I, for like, uh, for like a second there, I was like, is she trying to tell me something seriously? Like, is she having an audio issue? Or? Uh, well, I,
1: I guess I'm having an issue. The issue is hypersalivation at this point, because I'm getting so stinking hungry thinking about all of these foods that it's, it's, it's this is an occupational hazard is what this is. I'm telling you. I feel like I need sure. to smoke something tonight. Well, Speaking of smoking, I have done a fair amount of cold smoking. And I think, as an aside, I think you should try it, and I'll explain why. So the okay. the goal of cold smoking is to preserve food while you're enhancing the flavors. And because food is not cooked in the cold smoking process, because that it's generally between 77 degrees Fahrenheit and 115 degrees Fahrenheit, Your food has to be cured before you smoke it. Now, this is going to be done with a combination of salt and sugar. It can be dry brined. It can be wet brined. Um, Generally, there is a preservative introduced that could be nitrites. That could be nitrates. It could be as simple as using celery juice, which is naturally high in nitrates. Yeah. I, oh, geez. I said, I'm like, what are you chuckling about? Oh, I said celery. Well, I'm She's just, having a reaction. She's having a reaction to the word celery. This is ridiculous. Ms. I'm AD. just
0: remembering the <laughs> celery episode that we did. I'm cause I was traumatized by it. We did a whole episode on celery and I am still, tra- you, that was peep.
1: Are being such a princess just because I made you try celery soda, okay? But back to the cold smoking. You guys can check out the celery episode and listen to Mercedes have you know a temper tantrum, which is so really pretty amusing. Uh, but but back to the cold smoking. The combination of curing and cold smoking together can make some foods, some meats, actually shelf stable for months or even for years, which is crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the process. Again, you're going to start by curing whatever meat this is, and then you're going to take it out of the cure and air dry it, again, to help form that pellicle. Um, Some examples of cold smoke foods that you're probably pretty familiar with, and I say this laughingly because I know you're familiar with these, uh, bacon, ham, Salami, smoked sausage, smoked cheese, uh, some delicious, yeah, some types of smoked fish, um, you know, those are all pretty common cold smoke things that you are going to find in most places, at least in the U.S. Although I, for one, would personally like to see more smoked fish everywhere.
0: Well, I was about to say, because if you're wondering, if any of the listeners are wondering exactly what we mean by smoked fish, like the one that people are most familiar with is smoked salmon or Nova Locks, the one that you put on your bagels with the cream cheese and all the goodness. And
1: that is a cold smoked fish. So I also like. Also, my favorite. (laughs) I also like hot smoked fish. I, I mean, I will eat all smoked fish, but cold smoked fish has that. Succulent texture that you sometimes don't get from the hot smoked fish because, again, you're not actually cooking it with the smoke. You're just helping preserve a cured fish, so it's it's much more tender. And every, I'm pretty sure everybody listening has had Nova Lox at at some One point. One of my
0: favorite meals was one time when we went to New York together, remember? And yes we went to
1: Russ and Russ, Daughters. Russ
0: and Daughters. Oh my gosh. It was <laughs> it's they have a restaurant and a market. So if you want, you can also buy. But it is this adorable um Jewish uh like I would say like diner essentially. Yeah, or and like a diner have- made of a
1: deli kind of
0: Exactly. And they have things, you know, they have like a caviar menu. They have tons of bagels. They have like the cream cheese. And they have so many smoked fish that are so delicious. Yeah, I think... Sorry, I'm really excited. I think
1: the three of us, because Mary, our friend Mary was there as well. And you can hear Mary on our ice cream episode. Uh, The three of us sat there. How long did we sit in that restaurant and just eat? It had to be a couple of hours.
0: Yeah, we were easy too, because we literally ordered all the foods (laughs) we're like can we try that smoked fish and that smoked fish and
1: two of those and and it's not like we were there for dinner we were there for brunch
0: yeah it was so good anyways so that is um some people might get a little weirded out sometimes by the idea of fish i know fish can be like a
1: oh it's polarizing i suppose
0: yes but um I smoked fish is just, it's really something that if it's done well, and it's a good quality fish, it is a must try. It's one of the Um,
1: best foods on the face of the earth. And yes, I mean that.
0: (laughs) Yes, I completely agree with that. And then moving on from cold smoking, we can go into grilling, which is one of my personal favorites. Oh, yes, I think Obed, my husband and I grill I don't know, probably every weekend, at least once during the weekend. Yeah. And so a lot of people will use the term, oh, let's have a backyard barbecue or let's, you know, grill something. They'll use those terms interchangeably, but but they are very, (laughs) very different.
1: Yes. Break it down, Um, sister. Tell them, (laughs) tell them the difference because this is actually one of my, uh, I wouldn't say it's a pet peeve, but it's something that makes me kind of stop and tilt my head to the side. Every time someone says a backyard barbecue.
0: I understand that it's become like just part of our lexicon to use barbecue more as a description of an event as opposed to a cooking method. But since this is a food episode of My Plate (laughs) is Always Full, we're going to tell you specifically the differences between barbecuing and grilling. Because there are differences. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was that again, Rebecca? Because I feel I s- like you feel strongly about I that.
1: said, I said there are differences and we <laughs> would like to explain them. And yes, we are fun at parties.
0: <laughs> so, especially, we'll be like a ton of fun at a barbecue, wouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as long as
1: it's actually a barbecue.
0: <laughs> but hey. Anyways, so grilling, the purpose of grilling is hot and fast. Grilling is cooking food quickly over hot fire, uh usually open flame. You're not like you typically aren't you I mean you might be off of the direct f- uh flame, but not necessarily. Uh generally at about you you want to it starts at about 350. You can go higher depending on what you're cooking, how big or how thick your protein is and how right. much of a sear you want it. But let's say, you know, starting at a minimum, 350 degrees or more for an hour or less total time. Yes. Again, depending on what your cut of meat is and what it is that you're cooking. Uh, grilled foods are usually used for smaller cuts of meat or vegetables, also more tender cuts of meat. Yes. Um, so you wouldn't do, for example, a chuck roast on the grill. Right.
1: Because a chuck roast is a perfect example of what you wouldn't grill because you want to cook that one low and slow to sort of melt that connective tissue and render out some of the fat that's marbled through it. And you just won't have the time to do that in under an hour at a temperature of 350 degrees.
0: Now, granted, could you grill a chuck roast? Uh, yeah, sure, I mean, you can. Do you want to chew a grilled chuck roast? <laughs> Well, let's, probably not unless you have like the jaw capacity of a cow,
1: right? <laughs> and and honestly, I the thought if you'd like to know what it would like to or what it would be like to chew a grilled chuck roast, you could probably pick up a leather shoe and try it, to take a it'd bite be of about it. The same, I think it's
0: going to be roughly equivalent. Pretty so, close. Yeah. so what kinds or cuts of meat would you like to do? A sirloin steak, a T-bone steak, any kind of steak um, is a uh, skirt steak, flank steak, all these kind of like thin cut tri-tip. Those are good on the grill. Um, same thing with uh, pork, pork chops, thin, thin slices. You don't want to do a pork shoulder, but you can do a pork chop. Tenderloins are great to do on the grill. Oh, yeah. Um, of course. Hamburgers and hot dogs. can go wrong with a hamburger and a hot dog. Mm, um, mm-hmm. I personally am not a dirty water dog. No. I prefer Yuck. a grilled hot dog. Yes,
1: same. <laughs> I don't... I, why would you... boil? Just as an aside, why would you boil a hot dog? I know my husband That's how loves how it was them. done. My husband loves dirty water dogs. I don't understand. I love him, but... If you hand me a boiled hot dog, I'm gonna feel like I've done something to make you hate me.
0: It's really yeah, not my cup of tea. I want my hot dog grilled, a little bit charred, kind yeah. of a little snap to it when you bite into it. Yes. You know please. What I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So you so, know those also are the good. kind of things that you would want to use on a grill.
1: Also good on a grill. We- I'm gonna I'm gonna uh-huh. stand up here for my vegetarian and vegan relatives. Grilled portobello mushrooms are fantastic. I love yes. grilled vegetables. They get that nice charred bit of flavor to them. I think vegetables on a grill are delicious. And if I Absolutely. liked tofu, I would say grill that too.
0: But I don't. Okay. <laughs> I'm like I'm going to say the same thing. But I do, I mean, in the summer, especially we use the grill a ton because we don't want to get the kitchen hot. You know right. what I mean? So grilled. It's so corn, good for that. Grilled Green beans, asparagus, um, you know, portobello mushrooms, onions, all of it. Absolutely, totally, I am pro grilled vegetable, grilled and roasted vegetables. Absolutely, amen. So, and then as the opposite of grilling, we have barbecuing. Yes,
1: <laughs> and I'm so hungry. So, why don't
0: you tell us a little bit about barbecuing?
1: Okay, barbecuing for starters is not grilling. Just to re-clarify that. Um, I I
0: don't know if we've mentioned that already. I feel like you need to say that yet again. Okay, well,
1: whereas grilling is fast cooking over high heat, barbecuing is cooking larger cuts of meat for longer times over lower temperatures. So if you think of the phrase low and slow, that's a pretty good description of barbecue. Um, If you think you know, a whole barbecue brisket, whole chickens, rib roasts, pork roasts, slabs of ribs, a whole turkey. Those are things you would barbecue. So that's going to be over indirect heat that's much lower for a much longer period of time. And that's where, you know, if you go to Texas and you go to a barbecue joint and you get the slab of ribs that's been mopped or dry rubbed, I don't even know which one is Texas. Do they use the mop?
0: Um. Well, Texas does not. Real, true Texas barbecue does is not sauced. Okay. So, the, so it's usually like a dry rub or maybe just salt and pepper, and then barbecued.
1: Okay, I don't know my barbecue regions in the U.S. So, if anybody would like to send us a note about their favorite barbecue.
0: I know, like for example, the Carolinas, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee—that you know, the Mid Atlantic region. Yeah, they will tep- typically um, mop and barb and actually sauce their barbecue, right?
1: And the um, the Carolina sauce tends to be a mustard-based sauce. That much I know, mm-hmm. um, and it's delicious. Hello, Carolina, we love your barbecue <laughs> sauce just so you know.
0: But yeah, I lived uh for quite a few years in Texas and it's funny for the longest time I always like automatically would sauce my barbecue yeah. until I moved to Texas cuz it is just the char and what they do to that barbecue in Texas. <laughs> Lord um, almighty, it okay. is so good. Do you
1: remember <laughs> when we went to the salt lick outside of Austin? Yes. Yes, of course. That that was some good barbecue people. If you are ever Mm -hmm. in the Austin area, it is well worth you taking the time to drive to the Salt Lick Barbecue. And it's also well worth picking up a couple of things of their dry rub. Just take that from me because (laughs) I came back home with a thing of the Salt Lick Garlic Dry Rub. And I'm a big fan of making my own spice blends, but that was perfect straight out of the container. And I I put that on some pork roast that I barbecued and it was spectacular. So good.
0: And the thing is that a lot of, uh, so barbecue or the word barbecue originates, um, if I'm not mistaken, from the word barbacoa. It's predominantly in Latin American countries where uh, a long, low cook is done of large, large pieces of protein. You'll see different varieties of it. I mean, we do it in Puerto Rico with a whole pig. You know, you see it in Mexico, you see it down in Argentina where they'll do it with, um, oh my gosh, the one that goes, uh, Ba. Not ba, the one that screams goat. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the, name of the animal. Oh my gosh! Fantastic. Oh my gosh. Well, I Anyways, have to. You know what I'm saying? I do.
1: And actually, I I just had a discussion about Argentinian barbecue the other day. Um, my son's ballet instructor is Argentinian, and he was explaining that when he was a kid, the gauchos would kill a steer and barbecue mm-hmm. it out in the open. And he said he would walk up and they would just cut off this giant slab of steak off of this barbecued steer. And he said that was, you know, those are some of his happiest memories in life. And I thought, gosh, if I had that memory in life, I think that would rate for me as well. Just because the idea of being handed this giant slab of freshly barbecued steer out in the open sounds pretty darn nice to me. So here's a quick
0: question for you or sure. just a question of clarification. Try um me. is is there a distinct what is the distinct difference between barbecuing and hot smoking? Because barbecuing does have an element you would think of smoking, but it does. it's not hot smoking.
1: Right, you're you're right. And this is where we're going to you know this is this is going to sound like um Unnecessary detail, but it's cooking is all about the details, right? So, where hot smoking ranges from what did we? I I believe it was one hundred and forty to one hundred and eighty-five Fahrenheit. Correct. Barbecue runs from about one hundred and ninety Fahrenheit up to about three hundred. So it's it's another it's another category of temperature, but also. In barbecuing, the meat is cooked with indirect heat, so you don't actually have to turn it. However, you need to lift the lid to move coals around or replace coals and wood so that you keep that heat at that level.
0: So it's consistent. So it's a consistent heat. It is. And And you're not really focusing. I mean, some smoke, of course, because it's sitting in there, naturally will get into it. But typically, with hot smoking, your source is either wood pellets or wood itself. Yeah. As opposed to in barbecuing, it can be wood, wood pellets or even um briquettes. Or yeah. is that right?
1: Briquettes? Yeah, uh, okay. briquettes, charcoal. It could be lump charcoal. It's, you know, it's more about the heat range than it is about anything else, if that makes sense.
0: Your focus in barbecuing isn't about infusing smoke flavor into the meat, as a, as opposed to when you're hot smoking, hence the name. Right. You're trying to get that smoky flavor in there, which is also there's a huge focus on the types of wood and or wood pellets that you use, depending on the recipe. Um, oh yeah, what you're trying to accomplish.
1: And work. I would like us to share our preferences. But I think first we need to kind of talk a little bit about equipment, right? Yes.
0: And I mean, I know we both have this because my personal, I I mean, okay, so it's kind of funny. I feel like it's kind of the smoker-griller's Instapot craze. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. so you know how you like, can do everything like, oh with this. <laughs> exactly you have to get an instapot you can do everything with it instapots are amazing well in that vein of thought yes I will present you or we will discuss the traeger grill yes and I have to say um, in first <laughs> of all
1: full disclosure I was given a traeger when I attended an event that was hosted by traeger Um this is not a Traeger ad, but it probably could be one because also, full disclosure, I love that Traeger on an insane level. We have two of them at well, this point and we use them I and, like, all the time.
0: My Traeger out of my own pocket. <laughs> so,
1: yes, but you're welcome, Traeger. Yes. Well, I would like to say, Traeger, that I... Did not talk her into it, but I did tell her I loved mine. So, yeah, we are open to so chatting. So this isn't
0: going to be this <laughs> isn't going to be an ad about the Trigger Grill. However, it is we do both happen to have them. Yes, and they have many levels of grill smoker. You know, you can get their. High end one, the Timberland, uh, which is what we have. Mm -hmm. uh, But you don't need to spend that much. They do have smaller versions, starter versions. Some of them have Wi-Fi capabilities where you literally, which is what ours does. You can literally like create a recipe on the app, and it will automatically set the timer, regulate the temperature. You so fancy. Woo! Yes, it, I mean, it is literally a smoker Instapot.
1: <laughs> and, and by way of proving that this is not an ad for Traeger, I would like to point out that there are a lot of manufacturers who are making similar machines now. So what the Traeger is, when we say a Traeger, we're talking about a smoker grill slash grill that is pretty well insulated. It has at least one cooking great sometimes too it is automatically temperature controlled by way of wood fire heat and it's the wood fire is fed by pellets so you purchase these pellets and you put them in a hopper and you set the temperature just like you would be setting the temperature on your oven and it's going to maintain that temperature so you can get very precise in your cooking and it lets you go anywhere from, I think, what, like 170 degrees to yeah, all, the, all way the way up, up to, to like
0: 550. 500. Yeah. Something
1: like that. Yeah. So you've got this whole range of cooking you can do. You can go from hot smoking to barbecuing all the way up to grilling in one machine, which makes it pretty awesome.
0: It does. It makes it really awesome. The only thing is, is that I would say that because it gets its heat, and this is like the Traeger or any pellet hopper. Type grill slash smoker, because it gets its heat from the pellets, it's always going to be an indirect heat. Yes. So once you get up to the point of, you know, over 350 degrees, which is where you're kind of get, getting into the grilling temperatures, um, yes, you will get grill marks and everything. It will cook like a grill. However, if you want that direct fire char yeah. You cannot do that with the Traeger grill.
1: It's true because um, every time you open the lid, you're going to let some of the heat escape. So it takes time correct. to build back up to that. It's it's harder to get that hard sear that you might get over a direct flame versus, you know, what you're looking at is like pretty high indirect heat, but it is indirect heat.
0: So now if you are looking for a grill that can supply that direct heat. Of course, you can have your tra- any traditional grill that is fired up by propane will will work for those purposes. Right. Um, the nice thing about the Traeger is that you can grill and smoke in a traditional grill you can only grill. Right. However, and- for example, for Owen and I, we have both. So we have a tiny Weber Q um, I think it's the Q2200. Uh, it's a little tiny tabletop gas grill uh, that we really like. It produces a great quality amount of heat that is well-regulated. It um, is a small grill. So this isn't something that you would use for like a big party cookout, Or but it's great my for family. like a picnic <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine probably for your family if you're just like slinging hot dogs, you know what I mean? Because right. you can do that pretty quickly. But I wouldn't do, like, you're not going to host a dinner and like grill a bunch of steaks on it. Do I you hear you. you know what you. I
1: mean? Yeah. So that's that is a good option to have. And I also wanted to just touch quickly on the fact that if you want to cold smoke, you're going to need a dedicated smoker that has that capability. Um, you can't just do that on a on a grill or even on a Traeger. The temperature doesn't go low enough for that. So I have an affordable electric one that helps maintain the temperature much like a Traeger does. You know, you set the temperature and just kind of let it rip, but it does that at lower temperatures. And it it is pretty versatile though. It does allow you to hot smoke as well. So I've got Double coverage for that. I I use my dedicated smoker for making Canadian bacon, smoked fish, homemade pork belly bacon. Uh, I have smoked cheese on there because smoked cheese is yum, a very happy thing. But it it does it does require a piece of specialized equipment. It's not terribly expensive. So if this is something you think you might like to do a lot of, it's not going to take a huge investment to break into it. And I can, I'll add a link to the cold smoker that I have in the show notes.
0: And I mean, and these are great things to have on hand if you ever want to experiment with making your own kind of cold cuts, or if you want to, you know, you pick up a pork belly slab and you can make your own bacon. Yes. If you fish a lot, you can smoke your fish. Um, So it's, I think it would, now that we've been talking about it more, I don't know why I've never done it. And now I want to do it. (laughs) Well, I
1: think we should, I think we should have a smoking party, not that kind of smoking party. Oh my
0: gosh. So do we, I'm, do we tell I'm down them? for either kind of smoking party. So I know I've said this like a gazillion times, but my favorite thing, if I had a cold smoker, I probably would be making bacon. But uh-huh. what we have is the Traeger. So my favorite thing to do is I like to get a whole brisket and I'm not talking about like the flat brisket. I'm talking about a legit like whole brisket with the fat end on it and everything like that. Like
1: off of the side um, of a cow.
0: <laughs> yes, literally. So if you don't know what I mean by flat brisket, the way a brisket is shaped, it has a thicker end on one side and then it starts, it's almost, almost triangular shape. Yes. Would that be? I like, think that's you know, fair. If you're looking at, yeah. If you're looking at it from the side, it almost has like a, like a. Okay. I was really bad at geometry. Is that like an isosceles? Like the one that's like... Wait, wait. How did, like you, how did you say that again? I, is it isosceles? Yes. I so- okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought there was like an esophagus in there somewhere. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Isosceles. That, yes.
0: Isosceles. Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of shaped like that if you're looking at it from the side. Um, and then it has like... So the bigger piece is the fattier uh, piece and then it, it'll thin out and it gets leaner. So a lot of times when – if you go to a barbecue place and it says on the menu um, moist or lean, the moist side, which I know we all hate that word, but that's usually how they describe it. I don't is hate that the word. the thicker side. <laughs> and then the leaner side is comes from the thinner um, side of the brisket. And
1: translation, the opposite of moist is dry. So the lean side Correct. is gonna be a little bit of a drier cut of of brisket.
0: That is usually the the side that when you cut into it, it will hold its shape as opposed to the moist side when you slice into it, it'll it'll shred and kind of fall apart. Right. So I mean it'll all kind of fall apart if you're doing it correctly, but the leaner side will hold together better. And eventually it will
1: all fall apart if you're chewing it correctly.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> But that is currently my favorite. I will get an entire brisket like from, you know, our local butcher where there's one down at the bottom of our um, ridge or whatever. And I give it like this all-purpose seasoning that's heavy on the paprika with a little bit of um, brown sugar, salt, garlic powder, just all it's dry. And I rub it down and then I'll put it in the refrigerator for a minimum of an hour, it can sit there longer on a on a rack. And then we I let it come back up to room temperature a little bit, not fully, but you know, right. mostly. And we throw it on the grill or on the Traeger before we go to bed. And by the next morning, we have this amazing, perfectly tender brisket that I can chop up and serve over my uh, with like my, my scrambled eggs or when I want to make breakfast oh tacos gosh. or something like that. So good. And then I'll portion it out, freeze what we can't consume because we're only a household of two. And when I want more, I pull it from the freezer, defrost it, reheat it. And we probably do a brisket maybe every two weeks,
1: something oh my like gosh. that. I just have to I have to point out to everybody who's listening, I know you can't see my face right now, but I'm waggling my eyebrows because this sounds so good. <laughs> I want a brisket breakfast taco, which by the way is a tongue twister. Try that. Brisket is. breakfast bris- taco.
0: I already I already screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here's the fascinating thing. So, I I know I've said this multiple times, but you know, growing up in a Puerto Rican home, our primary protein was pork. Mm-hmm. And so I have grown up eating, especially like slow-cooked pork my entire childhood into adulthood or whatever. And I always found like the few times that I did have brisket growing up, I found it dry, bland, not good. And I didn't understand why people were so obsessed with it Uh until I moved to Texas and had really awesome, properly cooked brisket. And now I am legit obsessed with brisket.
1: Now, I have to say another thing that I hadn't really had prior to, say, visiting you in Texas, I had had smoked turkey lunch meat, but I had never had a smoked turkey like a full-sized smoked turkey. And I thought, well, what's the big deal? And then I tried some. And let me tell you what the big deal is. If you have never had a full smoked turkey, you are missing out. And I actually have a smoked turkey recipe on my blog that's one of the most popular recipes I've ever put up there. And it's, it's popular for a good reason. It's ridiculously easy. And you get a gigantic amount of meat for the effort that you put into it. Now I use my traeger. You can do this with any grill or smoker that's set up to smoke, but you are cooking this turkey at about 250 degrees, and to prep it, all you have to do is take the giblet out or the giblet packet out of your turkey. Stuff the cavity with a couple of ribs of celery, a couple of cut-up apples, and a couple of cut-up onions and some sage. You drizzle some oil on the um, outside of the turkey and put whatever your favorite spice rub is. For me, it's just a lot of salt and pepper and paprika and some garlic powder and massage that into the bird and then put it on the smoker Um, I like to put it on a tray to catch the drippings because smoked turkey drippings make incredible gravy. And you just let it go for about 20 minutes, 30 minutes per pound. And after Thanksgiving this past year, turkey was on a crazy amount of sale. I think it was something like 19 cents a pound. So... I wow. went crazy.
0: Wow. Yeah. Holy I,
1: smokes. I mean, you can't Holy find smokes. It. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. And I don't even think it was on purpose. And it was it like, wasn't? that was like a me level joke. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. But I oh. I bought two 25 pound turkeys and I brought them home and stashed them. And I just thought them out a couple of weeks ago. I I was able to fit these two gigantic turkeys onto my Traeger, and I smoked them on a Tuesday. Tuesday night, we were having fresh smoked turkey sandwiches, and then we made turkey salad, and we had turkey soup. Oh, my goodness. And I still had some to put into the freezer, and I made a stock out of the smoked bones. It's, it is an amazing way to stretch something that's already inexpensive, Almost to the point of absurdity. And it, it it does not get boring. It doesn't get any less delicious.
0: And the thing is is that when you do it that way, you don't end up with dry turkey. No that's one of my biggest complaints is when you end up with like dry, sad turkey. Yeah.
1: Know? That's kind of depressing. Um,
0: yeah, but smoking it or doing a barbecue on a protein, I mean, obviously you can let it go too long and end up drying it out, but I mean it has to be on there so long that it's basically like you forgot it, you neglected it, you walked it away, you walked away and you left <laughs> like a ton of pellets in there for it to just keep going and going. And, and you going drove to su- the city
1: and, and forgot about it and sat in the bookstore and then went to Starbucks yeah, and went, Oh like hey, just, my turkey's on the thing. I better go home.
0: Right. It can be a pretty like you really, really need to You gotta work at that, that <laughs> Yeah. So And then on the other side, um, do you have any particular favorite grilling recipes?
1: Uh, Burgers, duh. I know.
0: It's really not much more difficult than that. I mean, it's like burgers. Burgers are awesome. Yeah. The great thing about when you make your own burger, I mean, of course, you can buy patties at the grocery store and stuff like that, but if you make a little effort – make your own burger, make your own patty, you can make some amazing burgers. Yeah,
1: you can make a burger that's going to rival anything you can buy in a restaurant. And it's, you can make it exactly how you like it. And it's no secret. I'm a total burger fiend. I have a, you know, a kind of ridiculous collection of burger recipes on my site. The other things that I really, really love are, you know, like we talked about earlier, I like a grilled hot dog. Um, I I don't want a boiled or steamed hot dog. I love grill marks. I like a little char on it. I like it to yes. b- kind of bite back. And I also like to do pork tenderloins um, because to me that is like that's that's the grill equivalent of fast casual deliciousness. You know, you can oh, really you can take you can take a pork tenderloin and 15 minutes later have a really
0: fantastic entree off of the grill. You know, it's funny, as much pork as I've eaten in my life, the ten- the pork tenderloin is not my favorite.
1: Well, it's not it's not my favorite if you cook it in the oven or if you broil it, but when you marinate it and A pork tenderloin takes a marinade really well and really quickly, so it doesn't need to be in there overnight. One of my favorite marinades for uh, pork tenderloin is lime juice, garlic, a little bit of chili pepper, like fresh chili pepper, some cilantro, and some tequila, and maybe a little bit of agave or honey. 15 minutes in that, and then you slap it on a hot grill, and you slice it really thin. It's fantastic on tacos it's great on salads. it's super flavorful super the M word it's moist you know but it <laughs> it is and it's still got that little bit of a smoky quality to it because you put it over a hot grill and it's it's just it's easy and it's delicious.
0: So for me outside of you know your typical hamburger hot dog situation, I love a really good grilled steak. Oh yes. Just a great grilled ribeye is I I love like if but I want it over direct heat um or you know for quite a bit because I like that that caramelized crispy char and oh, then yeah. also when the little the little fat edge kind of gets that crispiness to it. Oh so God. <laughs> she's she's going to start purring. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love and I mean We just love to grab some steaks and real simple, we're not fancy when it comes to steak, salt, um, pepper on the fire and that's it. I might do like um, melt a little bit of butter on the stovetop with some garlic and herbs and something like that and like give that base that on the steak to give it a little bit more flavor. But other than that, I mean, it's really classic, really simple.
1: Well, I have to agree with you on that. I think if you have a good steak, you actually shouldn't mess with it too much. I think salt and pepper is all you really need to bring out that spectacular beefy unctuousness in a steak. And I just, yes. I think the more you mess with it, the more you're burying that amazing steak flavor.
0: Yeah. Like, I'm not going to judge you if you come to my house and ask for steak sauce, but I'm going to look at you weird. And <laughs> and then you're going to say, I don't have any. Sorry. <laughs> I don't. Like, I never have steak sauce in my house. So I'm going to be like, eh, sorry. And then you're going to ask me for ketchup and I'm going to have to. Anyway, gonna, so... She will judge
1: you for the ketchup <gasps> request. I'll, I'll just put that out there. Now, I want to say huh. one other thing that I like to grill and this is a regional thing. So, people are either going to be saying, "Yes!" or they're going to be saying, "What?" Have you ever had Cornell chicken?
0: I mean, is that a chicken that you name Cornell? No. It's it's a it's
1: <laughs> what what was that band that Chris Cornell was in? Soundgarden? Am I getting that right? I don't know. <laughs> I think so. It's a heavy metal chicken. No, it's it's actually Okay, okay, so Cornell chicken was developed at Cornell University. Shocker. Okay. So it is it's an it's a marinade. I suppose some people would call it a a barbecue sauce or a grilling sauce. I'm putting it in the marinade category because you're not brushing it on as you're cooking it. It's it's actually you soak the chicken in it. So what it is is a combination of vinegar, old bay seasoning a little bit of oregano, oh. salt, pepper, oil, and an egg. And you whisk this together and you soak the chicken in it, preferably up to eight hours, actually, but at least an hour ahead of grilling it. And it is some of the best chicken you will ever have on a grill.
0: And this is a... So my face is like, what? But... Mm. it's it's really really
1: good now it's sold in new york under a couple of different brand names you can actually purchase it ready-made in case you don't want to whisk all of that stuff together Um, but chivetas is a common uh, a common brand if you want to get a taste of what this is like you can mail order some chivetas that's c-h-i-a-v-e-t-t-a i believe um, we'll put a link for this in the show notes as well. But you can just as easily make it yourself without mail ordering anything. And I have a recipe on
0: the blog we'll link
1: to for that as well.
0: So what is the egg doing? Is it like helping? Is it like when you bake something that it gives it like a gloss or like a crisp? Yes, or... yes to both. And it it also okay. ha- it
1: adds a little bit of richness because you're doing the whole egg. So it's got the it's got the yolk in there as well. Um, You're not whisking it to the point of emulsifying it. So there's, you know, there's none of that involved in it. But it just, there's something special about this. And it is a mainstay of firemen's fundraiser barbecues and grills and events in the summer. Um, So it's the smell of summer in western New York. It just that and salt potatoes. And I'm a happy girl. Very interesting.
0: I have never heard of that or tried it or thought of it like I never was like um I'm gonna whisk an egg with some old bang and, <laughs> and, and throw some vinegar and oil in, in
1: here and then plunk my chicken yeah, breast like in.
0: never in ever would have occurred to me well we're so gonna I'm actually very intrigued we're gonna by it. fix
1: this we're, we're gonna make sure that you <laughs> get a chance to try this soon I think
0: all right well I think we are all smoked out so, <laughs> so I think we're gonna wrap this one up. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us today while we discuss all things delicious that are smoked and/or grilled, also barbecued. We got all the we got all the basics. Oh yes. Covered. If you have any comments or questions about what we discussed today or any of our previous episodes, please send us uh, your questions by email um, to my plate is always full at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on our Instagram and Facebook. Um, I believe we are MyPlateIsAlwaysFull on both of them. But if you Google it, you'll find it. You know what? I think on Instagram, there's periods. Yeah, room, dashes. But you know what I mean? Yeah, you'll find <laughs> us. We're, we're out there. You'll find us. We're out there. Um, you can find me, Mercedes, at TheNotchery.com. And
1: you can find me, Rebecca, at FoodieWithFamily.com.
0: And of course, you can find this podcast plus the show notes at myplateisalwaysfull.com. Uh, make sure you like, share, subscribe, download, tell all your best friends, tell all the people you don't like, tell your enemies, tell everybody, because <laughs> you'll just make them into friends about My Plate is Always Full. You can find a new episode every Wednesday on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks for hanging out with us this week and join us next week for another episode of My Plate is Always Full.
1: Until next time, stay hungry, friends. Join us next week for another helping of My Plate is Always Full.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe through your favorite podcasting platform, leave a review, and share it with your friends to spread the love. And uh, I'm not going to say, man, I love meat. That sounds... um like a, that's what she said. Joke.
1: <laughs> I was totally going to say that's what she said. If you said that, one hundred percent, you stepped on my line, sister. What the heck? I,
0: was say, <laughs> I feel like I'm getting set up here. Okay, okay, you were getting set up. <laughs> Dad, burn it. <laughs>
1: okay. Ready. Let's do it. Do 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 do. Do do do. La la.
0: I was la, gonna say, let's, let's fire this up, bitches. But I was like, no. <laughs> you could. I mean, it'd be very edgy. <laughs> who's barking? Do you hear the dog? I do. <laughs> it's like who's barking? It's frijole. <laughs> somebody got Oy. somebody got mad. It's my hot dog. It's my hot dog. <laughs> well, then, usually it's fine with me. Usually it's um. For me, probably outside of the hot dog hamburger situation, I I love a really good yes. There. There you are.
1: What? (laughs) I've been here here the whole time. Okay. Well, I didn't hear you for a minute. So for you, (laughs) hi, I'm Rebecca.
0: (laughs) I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! I don't know why that made me laugh so much. Okay. <laughs> and oh shit! i to <laughs> close this again. Okay. Um, I
1: just need to start pasting that in. I can't remember what we said. Dad, burn it! I never what the heck? Know how I
0: this! Hold on. I'm looking. There we go. I will remember this. I will remember this.
1: <sighs> I will remember you. No,
0: no, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, okay. I don't even like that song. how did who sang that?
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know who sang it who sang well, somebody
1: song? sang it no, I mean, we both know uh, it. it's stupid, but we know it.